Hello friends, Billy Dean Jumate the Third here, and welcome to another episode of Strange Places. Now I know it's been a little bit, I've been uh, uh, concentrating on the SCP thing, and uh, that's been going really well. Um, <laughs> I came down with COVID on August, uh, well uh, August 16th is when it really started, but thank goodness I had a lot of uh, backlog you know, SCPs already recorded. <laughs> so that's kind of kept me afloat. Yeah, I, you know, um, whenever I was able to, um, you know, posting the SCPs and all that stuff, uh, it was hell. And my heart goes out to everybody who gets this uh, COVID was, it got scary there for a while. Uh, COVID was no joke. But uh, strange places, since these take so long to record, and they're typically a longer format, more of a podcast length, you know. I didn't have any of those backed up, so that's why you haven't seen an episode of Strange Places in a little bit. Because, uh, yeah, with me getting COVID, I mean, I I couldn't sit up for even more than a few minutes at a time. Um, there's There were a lot of days that I had to lay there with my laptop on my stomach, you know, and <laughs> force myself to upload SCP videos. But uh, we're back, and I'm feeling much better. I am on the mend. So what we're going to look at today is a strange place that is in my, well, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say home state because I have quite a few home states, but where I'm living at right now, a place out of Kentucky, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Now, a little bit of background. Like on this, uh, on these episodes of Strange Places, what we do is we talk about said strange place, go through all the factual details, and at the end, I'll kind of give you my common sense opinion on it, which in the realm of uh, supernatural research, uh, paranormal things, you know, stuff like that, common sense seems to be in a very short supply these days. <laughs> all of us want to believe. I get that. And uh, there's been more cases than I thought that I just wasn't buying it. Or I thought there was a lot more to the story. I want to believe, guys. <laughs> Just like you do. We all want to. But, uh, you know, like I said, common sense, I think, is in very short supply with paranormal and supernatural research these days. Is it a thing? Is it a phenomenon? Yeah, I do think it does exist. And uh, is Waverly Hills one of those places? Well, let's find out. Waverly Hills Sanatorium. It is a former sanatorium located in southwestern, like Louisville, Jefferson County, Kentucky area. It was uh, opened in 1911. It ended up closing in 1961, uh, kind of, <laughs> but we'll get into that. Um, it opened in 1910. It's, uh, you know, it was a two-story hospital to accommodate 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients originally. In the early 1900s, Jefferson County was ravaged. I mean, big time. It was actually one of the highest outbreaks of tuberculosis in the U.S., uh, which prompted the construction of a new hospital. Hospital closed in 61 due to the antibiotic, um, you know, antibiotics, basically, <laughs> that, you know, lowered the need for such a hospital like this. Plans have been developed to convert the sanatorium into a hotel, conference center, among a lot of other things. And it's never really happened. I'll tell you why <laughs> here in a minute. A little bit of history first. The land uh, that's known as Waverly Hill was purchased by Mayor Thomas H. Hayes in 1883 as his family home. 
Since the new home was far away from any existing schools, he decided to open a local school for his daughters to attend. <laughs> How awesome is that? Hey, there's no school around here. I'm just going to like, you know, open and build one. That's pretty cool. Mr. Hayes decided to uh, open a local school. That's that. Yeah. <laughs> he um, started a one room schoolhouse on Pages Lane and hired Lizzie Lee Harris as a teacher. Due to Mrs. Harris' fondness for Walter Scott's Waverly novels, she named the schoolhouse Waverly School. Mayor Hayes, he liked the peaceful-sounding name, so he uh, named his property Waverly Hill. The board of TB Hospital, Tuberculosis Hospital, kept the name when they bought the land and opened the sanatorium. The name has stuck ever since. It's not known exactly when the spelling changed to exclude the second E, and became Waverly Hill. See, it was spelled differently. W-A-V-E-R-L-E-Y. But now they, you know, kind of axed that first uh, E there. And anyway, that neither here nor there. The spelling fluctuated between both spellings a lot of times over the years. So, uh, which I've found in my own personal research that researching the older, you know, the, the, uh, the years when Waverly was quite a bit younger is kind of difficult. Because it was, they flip flopped on the spelling quite a bit, which made research really fun for this episode. <laughs> uh, but in the, as far as the original sanatorium, in the early 1900s, Jefferson County was severely stricken with an outbreak of TB, one of the worst in the U.S. There were a lot of TB cases in Louisville at the time because, you know, wetlands along the Ohio River, they're perfect for TB bacteria. Uh, it's like bacteria, you know, TB bacteria Disneyland at the time. To try to contain the disease, a two-story wooden sanitarium was open, which consisted of an administrative main building, two open-air pavilions, each cost uh, housing 20 patients uh, for the treatment of early cases. In the early part of 1911, the city of Louisville began to make preparations to build uh, Louisville City Hospital. And the hospital commissioners decided in their plans that there would be no provision made in the new city hospital for the admission of pulmonary tuberculosis. The board of TB Hospital was given 25 grand, a lot of money back then, to erect a hospital for the care of advanced cases of pulmonary tuberculosis. On August 31st, 1912, all TB patients from the city hospital were relocated to temporary quarters and tents on the grounds of Waverly Hills pending the completion of a hospital for advanced cases in december let me check i should have this memorized by now i tried to memorize as much stuff as possible in december of 1912 a hospital for yeah there it is 1912 okay um <laughs> i was just rattling it off before i saw my notes yeah december 1912 a hospital for advanced cases opened for the treatment of another 40 patients in 1914, a children's pavilion added another 50 beds, making the known capacity around 130 or so. Children's pavilion, pavilion uh, was not only for sick children, but also for the children of tuberculosis patients who could not be cared for properly otherwise. See that happening today. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to. Pretty, uh, pretty unique. This report also mentions that the goal was to add a new building each year to continually grow, so there may have been more beds available than originally listed. Due to constant need for repairs on a large wooden structure, need for a more durable one, as well as need for a lot more beds, so that people would not be turned away due to lack of space, 
Because you got to, you know, they called it the White Plague back then. I mean, it really hit Kentucky hard. Uh, construct so, you know, necessitated the need of a five-story building that could hold more than 400 patients. Construction of that began in March of 24. The uh, new building opened on October 17, 1926. But after the introduction of strepto, streptomycin, I believe it's called, antibiotics, in 1943, the number of TB cases gradually lowered until there was no longer need for a hospital that big. The remaining patients were sent to Hazelwood Sanatorium in Louisville. I know uh, people in Kentucky say Louisville, Louisville. It's, it's fucking Louisville. <laughs> I'm not from Kentucky, so I can say whatever I want to. Uh, Waverly Hills closed in 1961. The building was reopened in 62 as Woodhaven Geriatric Center. Uh, it was a nursing home, primarily treating aging patients with various stages of dementia, mobility limits, uh, mentally handicapped. However, Woodhaven completely failed. It was severely understaffed, overcrowded. They also had a lot of reports over patient neglect and was closed by the state of Kentucky way later than it should have been, 1982. Uh, Simpsonville developer, I believe his name was... J. Todd Clifford, yeah, uh, yeah, we go. J. Clifford Todd, jeez, <laughs> bought the hospital in 1983 for around three million. He and architect Milton Thompson wanted to convert it into a minimum security prison for the state, but the developers dropped the plan after neighbors protested. Todd and Thompson then proposed converting the hospital into apartments, but they counted on Jefferson Fiscal Court to buy around 140 acres from them for $400,000, giving him the money to start the project. In 1996, um, uh, what's this say? Robert, I wish I could read my own handwriting. Robert Aronaski bought Waverly Hills and the surrounding area. Uh, I know I'm saying this incorrectly and I apologize. Al Haskey, I'm going to say, is Christ the Redeemer Foundation Incorporated made plans actually to construct the world's tallest statue of Christ on the site along with an arts and worship center. The statue, which was inspired by the famed Christ the Redeemer in, you know, Rio, the famous one, uh, would have been designed by local sculptor Ed Hamilton and architect Jasper Ward. First phase of the development coming around $4 million for statue would have been a statue about 150 feet tall, uh, 150 feet wide, situated on the roof of the sanatorium. Yeah. Uh, second phase would convert the old sanatorium into a chapel theater, gift shop. Uh, the plan to construct the religious icon completely fell through because donations to the project fell well short of the expectations. Um, uh, I'm looking right here. Only 3000 was raised despite efforts to pool money from across the U.S. The way people saw it, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was bad timing. Maybe it was distasteful considering Waverly's reputation which we'll get into. Uh, we need to, if you can't talk about Waverly Hills without talking about the tunnel. Uh, it's one of the strangest things about Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Uh, there was an entrance and exit uh, for the workers of the sanatorium. It was built on the first floor with the rest of the building. The corridor, roughly 500 feet to the bottom of the hill, has a set of stairs on one side which were the stairs used for workers. On the other side, there was a cart that moved up and down the staircase, which transported supplies and other necessities. But here's the thing. Since antibiotics did not exist in the time the sanatorium was active, 
Other forms of aid were used to treat TB patients. For example, heat lamps, fresh air, positive talk and reassurance. Yep, they tried that. You know, medicine was different back then, man. They were kind of grasping. Uh, they helped to keep patients alive, or so they thought, since the death rate of TB patients at the time was about a death a day. However, at the peak of the disease, the sight of the dead being carried away in full view of the patients started lowering morale, as you can imagine. Therefore, the sanatorium tried transporting the dead bodies as secretly as possible to increase the morale and lower the death rates uh, using the tunnel to that end. Doctors and workers at this time also believe that this would help to lower the disease's spreading rate. Uh, we'll get into why Waverly Hill Sanatorium is considered one of the strangest places in the world. And the tunnel has a lot to do with it. Imagine the amount of bodies that they had to cart through that tunnel, which was originally meant for a supply tunnel. I understand why they did it, but uh, it really added to... What you'll soon learn is the activity of the place. Now, after the statue efforts failed, Waverly Hills was sold to Tina and Charlie Mattingly in 2001. The Mattingleys hold tours of Waverly Hills and host a haunted house attraction every Halloween. Uh, I, I, I live not far <laughs> from Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Yeah, you're not going to catch me there because it's just one of those things, um, you know, do I, and we'll get into my personal opinions, but about Waverly specifically, but do I believe in ghosts? Do I believe in, you know, all the spirits and all that stuff? I think it's a legitimate phenomenon. Yes. But, um, you know, I'm not going to go jump in a lion's mouth for a cool photo. Do you know what I mean? I just, I stay away from places like that. But, um, as you can imagine, you know, Waverly Hills is, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that first, a little bit more history. Uh, they host haunted house tours there. Uh, they're also, a lot of my buds have been to them. They're also currently restoring all the windows and restoring the interior of the sanitarium. Uh, Waverly Hill Sanatorium actually hosted the last show of the touring musical, uh, music festival, Sounds of the Underground, in about 2007-ish. The show uh, featured prominent acts in extreme metal and metalcore scene. Including Job for a Cowboy, The Acacia Stain, Hate Breed, Shadows Fall, Chimera, Guar, Cameo, Lamb of God actually played there. Um, the number of 12 looks like you. Similar festivals or concerts will most likely not happen again uh, due to complaints made by local residents. The old sanatorium is owned today by private investors who opened the historic building up to uh, you know, curious overnight guests and ghost tours. The tours inform guests of the building's origin and history. So, where we get into Waverly Hills Sanatorium being one of the strangest places in the world. Now, when I say one of the strangest places in the world, I'm talking about you know, in terms of paranormal activity. This is one of the few places that you can visit that's known to be haunted where as it's said anyway and many people who visited the place have said that seeing something strange hearing a sound photographing an apparition seeing an apparition yourself even up to things like physical contact cold spots stuff like that is practically a guarantee and that's pretty uh, striking to me is that you being able to um, see something or experience something, you know, not of this earthly plane, 
a place that's so haunted that this is practically a guarantee really piques my interest. Now, aside from, well, I mean, we, we can get into this too. Uh, tuberculosis was something that was not quite understood when the hospital was active. I do believe that their intentions were, were good, but, you know, treatment for TB back then was archaic and some of the treatments were just as bad as the disease itself. It was thought that sunlight and fresh air would assist in the healing process for TB. So you know, a lot of these treatments um, actually you know, made the disease worse. There's photos of people sitting on the decks uh, covered up to their thighs in snow, you know, sitting out there outside. It's awful. And uh, there's also other treatments that they employed, uh, removing of, uh, I'm looking at it right here. I don't know how this cures TB or even helps, but, you know, medicine back then wasn't what it is now. A lot of things they were just kind of shooting in the breeze, you know, trying to see what works. Removal of ribs. There was insertion of, this is just disastrous. I can't imagine how painful this must have been. Insertion of balloons into the lungs and expanding them so that people would be allowed to breathe, which, as you can imagine, would be an extremely traumatic procedure. And you don't get reports of, because, you know, places like this develop legendary status and you always hear about, oh, experiments on patients and crazy shit, you know, going behind closed doors and they were given lobotomies and all that. There's really no reports of that happening at Waverly. At least during this period, it was just um, a place the living conditions started to get into squalor. It was overpopulated. A lot of the treatments they were considering for TB did not work at all. In fact, were quite harmful. So, you know, it's safe to say that many people died uh, in great amounts of pain and unnecessarily. There were a few tragic occurrences that happened, which it is going to happen when a place has been around that long. There were a couple suicides at Waverly. One pregnant nurse uh, committed suicide by hanging. Another one jumped from a tall window. Uh, it's just par for the course when you have a place this old and you're surrounded by uh, as you can imagine, I'm sure these people had their own issues that they were dealing with and stuff, but you're in a place where living conditions are getting worse. It's an ancient building anyway, <laughs> and you're fighting this disease you know nothing about, and you're using these treatments that your doctors are telling you that they're going to work, but all the nurse sees is people dying in horribly agonizing ways, knowing very little about the transmissions of said disease and a lot of the staff ends up having to be residents at the damn place. People being separated from their families. I mean, on top of whatever personal problems, those who committed suicide there. And Waverly's just known as, like I said, practically a guarantee you're going to see something supernatural. Very, very, very active. And when it became an old folks home, that's when things take a turn from simply fighting a disease and employing uh, medieval methods to try and combat the disease. 
there was straight up elder abuse going on in that place. As you can imagine, you had the mentally handicapped there. And at the time, we all know during the time how these sanatoriums and uh, mental health facilities, which that's a pretty whitewashy term for what it was, how they treated people with dementia and uh, mental incapacities and stuff. We're a lot more sensitive to that now. On top of that, psychiatry's come a long way. The lobotomy is not the cavalier cure that a lot of the doctors thought it was, especially when they're done in an office as an outpatient procedure. Could you imagine having an yeah, I'm not going to go into the <laughs> specifics of how outpatient lobotomies were performed in the director's office, but among other things, I haven't seen any concrete evidence of electroshock therapy, but that was considered a pretty cavalier treatment back then as well. I've never been to Waverly, and I really don't like looking at pictures of the place, so <laughs> what I'm going to give you is all factual. Now, as far as... Uh, my opinion of this place kind of comes in two parts, really. You have to examine it in two ways. This is a place where some horrific things occurred, either by attempting to help the people and human beings uh, just not being caught up, you know, uh, with our knowledge of what was happening to these people and straight up abuse in later years, suicides. That's just par for the course with these old buildings, you know, old hotels and stuff. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many people have killed themselves in old hotels. It's just that these places have been around for so long. This stuff is bound to happen. Now, in conducting research for this, I could, I, I've asked a lot of people who've been to Waverly, and I live in Kentucky, so I, you know, that's a thing here, you know. Let's go to Waverly, you know. <laughs> that's just a thing. It's uh, like Graceland around here for ghost hunters. And I'd say a good 90% of everybody I've spoken to has seen something, heard something. But then I get to thinking, well, okay, I'll give you kind of the two-part deal. Do I believe in ghosts? Uh, in a sense, yes. My eyes were very opened when I saw an interview with Dan Aykroyd one time. And Dan Aykroyd, God bless him, if you've ever seen him on Joe Rogan, He's a guy, he's one of those guys <laughs> where I'm a big fan and he's remarkably intelligent and very insightful, but you know, say it like it is again, intelligence or, you know, looking at things with common sense. He wants to believe so much. He wants so much to believe and he just kind of buys everything <laughs> offers no, you know, uh, even attempt at being skeptical. There's nothing wrong with being skeptical. But where I think some skeptics take it to the extreme is when you get to the point that you cannot explain this, still saying, nope, nope, impossible, but just saying that and that's it. Like if you have no more argument, <laughs> that's when a skeptic needs to say, okay, either I don't have all the evidence here or something's going on. At least say that, right? Dan Aykroyd's one of the guys that just believes everything. God bless him. <laughs> you know, I just, I have to look at things more realistically. But he did say something during an interview one time that I was very intrigued by. Dan Aykroyd said, what makes up the seemingly empty space that you're breathing right now? You look at a hard surface, a you know, uh, solid surface like a wall 
uh, our air, our atmosphere. That's all made up of atoms, molecules, plo you know, um, <laughs> shit flying around, right? And what's in between all that? What's in between the nucleus of the atom, the electrons, protons, whatever flying around it, these particles? What's in between it? Nothing. Empty space, right? There is more empty space in between atoms and molecules here on Earth than there is in the entire solar system. That blew my mind. And I obviously can't verify that <laughs> without doing some major research. But it seems to me every time I see a interview of Dan Aykroyd, I mean, he's uh, he's got a lot of facts to back up his his stuff. So I'm willing to, yeah, there is, a, you think about that, even a solid surface. And I'm getting to my point here. These molecules, building blocks of reality, what's in between all this stuff? Space, empty space, nothing. So I think, you know, what if uh, what we think is spirits or ghosts exist in that empty space? There's a lot of it there. It's got to be filled up with something. Either that or... I, I just I do think it's a legitimate phenomenon. Do I think that they are dead people who haven't passed on? I'm not entirely convinced of that. Whenever you hear about hauntings, most of the time, in fact, a huge amount of the time, they seem to be reenacting what they did in life, which kind of seems to me that I, it, think about this, okay? Just think about this. Abraham Lincoln, okay? He's uh, in some other plane, uh, part of time, dimension, whatever, is going up to his room, taking off his boots, and he gets a shudder. Goosebumps start forming on his arms, you know? And for a split second, he sees people standing in the room with him. Experiences that we all have in reality, right? Here, now. I wonder if time is not linear. We just perceive it that way. And whenever we see glimpses of things, we're seeing what has actually happened, what has actually occurred, kind of accidentally popping in and merging with our, what we consider to be timeline. Maybe it's something like that, something merging. Intelligent hauntings, um, think about it this way. What if us running around ghost hunting these are not ghosts at all. These we're just seeing glimpses of another time, another dimension, another part of the multiverse, another place. And they perceive us as ghosts because those things tend to merge every once in a while. That's what I think ghosts and spirits are, honestly. Do I think they're dead people that have departed and stuck around? No. Intelligent hauntings, what I think that is, is uh, people like us that may be aware of things like there possibly being, you know, nonlinear timeline, everything existing at the same time, multiple universes. Every time you make it a decision, another one pops in its place. Maybe intelligent hauntings are hauntings that are from people that are a little bit more self-aware. I don't know. I'm just, guessing here but that's my standing theory so in a sense do i believe in uh ghosts spirits apparitions absolutely but i do believe also that there are a lot of establishments that are historical a lot of establishments that mean something to somebody 
that are always on the verge of closing down and need a reason to stay open. Is Waverly one of these? Honestly, I don't think so. I know there's ghost tours and all that stuff happening there and all that. And there's even a part of the tour where they take this laser pointer and point it down the tunnel or one of the hallways, you know, and you see apparitions breaking the line of the laser. Pretty amazing. Do I think it's all a shit show? Ah, I don't know. I can't, I can't disprove that. Uh, maybe. But on the other hand, Waverly had this reputation way before they started doing ghost tours and stuff like that. It was known as one of the most active places in the U.S., if not the world. Do I think it's legitimate? Yeah, I, I really, really do. Uh, people have seen everything from voices being physically touched, uh, apparitions, shadow people, all that. It's just too much to write off or ignore. It's a very, very active place. Uh, during the tours and stuff, you could look at it both ways. If you have this reputation so well established and built up, let's say, hey, let's have these, you know, little painted black cardboard people make some kind of mechanism to where they slide across the hallway and break the line of sight of the laser. Let's install, you know, just in case something doesn't happen, if it's legitimately haunted, let's install a little speaker in the corner here, you know, maybe paint over it and just, you know, play something in case, you know, nothing's active. We can, you know, get people their money's worth. Is something like that happening at Waverly? Uh, I like to think people are generally good, but <laughs> it does happen. So maybe. I'm just going to say maybe there. But I, I, for the most part, I would be very surprised if none of I, – I, I'm sorry. I would not be surprised <laughs> at all if those things were not there at Waverly. I think Waverly is the real deal. I've uh, heard a lot of stories around here. Being from in Kentucky, you hear a lot about people's experiences at Waverly. It's just a really – <laughs> strange place. It's a really odd place. I do think it's legitimate. All the tragedy that's occurred there. And then I think to myself about my theory, too, that all of this is existing at the same time. And sometimes these things merge. Well, what causes them to merge? What gives one event power over another event? Why don't we ever see things merging of someone buying a bagel in a coffee shop or someone shopping for socks at Walmart? How can we never see that? We always see events that happened right before or right after something horrific and tragic. Gettysburg, multiple murders, um, people who were very disturbed in real life, places like Alcatraz where a lot of human suffering has occurred. I think that's, that's the ticket. That's what gives, I'll say, multiverse now or whatever realities there are, however many there are that exist at the same time. I think that's what gives them the power to merge is such an, an event tied to such an extreme feeling, loss, hate, fear, anger, pain, sadness. I think there's something in that that gives these events more power over mundane ones and allows us to catch a glimpse you hear about intelligent hauntings. And stuff. I can't get into all that. <laughs> you could talk about that for hours. That's just my theory. I could be completely wrong, and I'm open to that. It's just that, you know, what I've gathered my... Whoop, I hit the microphone. If you're a bump there, I'm sorry. 
Well, what I've gathered through my own personal research and my reading and stuff like that, that's kind of where I'm leaning. I wouldn't teach a class on it. <laughs> you know, I'm not like fully developed in that theory yet, but I am studying it. And it seems pretty explainable to me. In a sense, these are people who have died because they've died in our timeline. They might be alive in theirs. But uh, this seems to me that places that are very, very active, whenever there is a haunting at all, it's always something you always see kind of a replay. You know what I mean? A rerun of something that happened during a very a moment of extreme human distress. So, yeah, do I think Waverly is legit? Definitely. <laughs> the amount of, the uh, sheer amount of pain, human tragedy that has occurred there. I do believe that when people pass, they leave behind something. They leave behind feelings. But according to my theory, do they leave that behind in a sense? Or... Well, I guess I could I could say that now that I think about it. They leave it behind in our reality. So if someone had a very strong feeling attached to them, I think that gives whatever works on Earth behind the scenes, however things are made up and put together, the power to occasionally replay itself in front of our eyes. So that's it for this episode of Strange Places. I hope you enjoyed learning about Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Look it up sometime. Pretty um, pretty bizarre place. Am I ever going? No. <laughs> I don't play with stuff like that, man. I do not. Uh, I, I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to play with that. No, no way. Whether it's benign or, or not. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, consider going on uh, my website, Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things me, No Disclosure Podcast, which I also run, YouTube channel related. Link to our Patreon account is there, which is something you want to check out, man. Early access to everything, behind-the-scenes stuff, giveaways, signed things at certain tiers, shout-outs at the end of every video and every episode of the No Disclosure Podcast. I have No Disclosure merch. Uh, which which is pretty cool, my, my podcast. It's a weird news kind of comedy podcast. You should check it out. Available everywhere. And um, I, I might do Strange Places merch. I don't know. If you ever if you, you know, ever think that that's a cool thing, that's something you want to see, let me know. So I'm going to take off. And remember, we may run out of Strange Places one day. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's always that fear, right? That, oh man, we're, we're going to run out of every strange place. We keep doing this. Nonsense, I say. Every town has a strange place. We'll be able to do this forever. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. <laughs>